Hodges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Camps Corner. We've got a very special guest on here today. He's currently the public address announcer for the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bears, and the Chicago Fire. He also works for the University of Illinois in his PA there as well, guys. Help me in welcoming Tim St. Clair to the show. Tim, thank you so much for joining me, man. How's it been? Man, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's it's my slow season, so I'm enjoying yeah. a little bit of downtime. Now, I'm glad I could catch you, man. I'm, you know, I know during, no, during the season with the Bulls and everything like that, uh, you know, everything gets so busy. Are you calling the, the Bears games right now or no? Uh, well, when the Bears start up, I will be, yeah. So, But our first one's not till I think, mid-August to be the August, first right. Bears game. So I've got the fire games are going on right now. And that'll, you know, those are hit or miss. I've got one here in a couple of days, but sometimes you'll go two or three weeks in between. So it just kind of depends on the schedule. Right. So you've also done, you know, numerous amounts of like commercial ads. And things like that in the past. You also worked with the Pacers. You were a PA announcer for the Bulls in NBA 2K, uh, you know, All-Star Weekend this past weekend, which we'll get into a little bit later. But, you know, to kind of start off, like, where are you uh, originally from? Uh, originally, originally, uh, yeah. Detroit, Michigan. And mm-hmm. I was there until about uh, just before sixth grade. My parents moved to Illinois. And then Illinois has largely been home, although uh, I, I went to Baton Rouge and uh, Huntsville, Alabama for a couple of years at a time while I was doing and radio and uh, ultimately landed back in the state uh, 15 years ago or so now and uh, it, Illinois has been home for quite some time. Awesome yeah so what sports did you follow um, and admire when you were growing up and did you play any as well? Uh, basketball was the sport I played um, and so that I, it's I don't know that it's my favorite to work everybody asks that question uh, it's the one I'm probably most comfortable with off the bat, although you mm-hmm. learn soccer and football and everything pretty quickly in terms of what you have to do for PA that you don't for other sports. Um, I followed as a kid, I was a big uh, Michigan fan and a Detroit Pistons fan. And yep. I liked the Tigers and the Lions, which was, you know, a lesson in futility because they're, you know, never been any good. Uh, but then we moved to Illinois and I, I moved here about the time that the Bulls were getting really good. So mm-hmm. the heyday of the Jordan years, they started winning championships. And so that, that transition time worked really, really well for me because uh, the teams 
and the new state I was living in were, were pretty good. And so uh, I kind of made the transition for the most part uh, to, to all the Illinois teams. And uh, now I get to work for them. That's awesome. I got, I got a couple of questions, you know, down the line, I'll ask about, you know, sure. uh, transitions and things like that. But, um, you know, kind of just to jump the gun a little bit, was it tough to transition, you know, being from Michigan, being such a Detroit fan and like, a, you know, your whole entire life now calling like different types of teams and things like that? You know, if it had happened like right when I moved, there would have been some, oh, man, I, I, weird cheering against the teams that yeah. that I loved. But it was so far removed. Um, I was wholeheartedly in the Bulls camp and Bears camp and uh, Illinois, like, you know, all of those were my teams. Now, mm -hmm. the cool thing is um, I've now gotten to call games against all of those teams that I grew up loving. Right. I've done, obviously, the Lions. I've done the Pistons. I've done University of Michigan. Uh, again, when they come here to play the teams here. And I've done a couple of White Sox games. And it happened to be when they were playing the Tigers. So I, I really got a lot of those boyhood teams done. And, and those are always kind of pinch me moments because it's, um, it's a lot of fun to relive your childhood uh, while you're working. Yeah, most definitely. You know, as far as everything else goes, like, where does that where does that passion for public address come from? Like, where did it start? And like, have you always had like an ear for this kind of thing? You know, I, I went to school for architecture, so I, <laughs> I was not at all thinking I was going to be in communication or use my voice in any way, shape or form. Uh, but I discovered radio partway into college and realized I needed to make some money. It was kind of fun. And one thing led to another, and I realized maybe this is what I want to do with my life. And so I jumped into radio full time, uh, still didn't have really a, any sort of thoughts of working in sports. I just happened to like sports and work in media. Right. And, um, you know, I got an opportunity probably 10 or so years into my radio career to audition for Illinois. And I ended up doing a baseball game like a year later and a few other things. So uh, to answer your question, my passion it, it came from being bit by the public address bug. I think the first time I did it, I went, this is fun. Um, it's doing something I love in that I'm combining my loves of sports and my love of communicating an idea to people in one place. And then as you get better and better at it, I think the drive tends to get bigger and bigger because you know, you've found your thing. And um I didn't mean to, I fell into it. It was kind of lucky, but when you, when you find your thing, that passion kind of drives itself. And that's certainly been the case for me. I agree with you hundred percent. Like right now I'm, I've dabbled in PA a little bit at my school right now at uh, Rhode Island college. I'm transferring over to the university of Rhode Island uh, for my next year. And um, you know, broadcasting has obviously been my passion, but like I agree with you hundred percent. Once you start it and you like, I'll realize like, this is like what I like, like it just, it makes it so much easier to do the job. So I agree with you hundred yep. percent. So what's, what's uh, college did you go to? I was at University of Illinois, um, oh, but I was right. only that's there, right. yep. there for three semesters um, and realized into my third semester that I had found radio. I loved it and I wanted to pursue it full time. And so I dropped out and uh, jumped into that. And, and the rest is history. I don't necessarily recommend it, but it certainly worked for me. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those fields where experience is key mm -hmm. and having a natural ability to do what, what it is you're doing. And so school can help with those things for sure and can give you opportunities and can sort of give you the tools you need to build. Um, but I had an opportunity to get experience um, pretty much right out of the chute. And so I took it. Yeah. So how did you, like, like you said, only 
three semesters at the University of Illinois, where did those opportunities come from as far as like applying for jobs and things like that, even though you didn't have that big of a school? Like you said, you don't have to have that big of a school experience for it, but like how did these job opportunities like come your way so fast? Well, it started in architecture school. I was like, hey, I'm going to, um, I just need a part-time job. And so I was yeah. looking around. It's actually the church where I was going at the time. And I looked around, I saw a guy who I knew uh, who worked in radio. He's probably 20 years older than I was. And I was like, huh, wonder if they need some help at the radio station. I'll just ask for a favor. And he said, you want to be on the air? And I wasn't really even thinking of that necessarily. I was just going to help out over there doing, doing whatever. And I said, sure. And they put me on the air and that gave me the opportunity. And then uh, a few months later, there's another guy I knew who we kind of knew the same people. He goes, hey, I heard you doing work over there. Would you come work for our station on the weekends too? We need some help. And so I said, sure. And now I was doing two stations at a time. And eventually, you know, you, I, I always say you've got to be, got to have ability, availability, and humility. And um, I was working on ability and I was trying to get better and working as much as I could. But being available, that availability piece, like if someone says, hey, could you work? And you can say yes, they're going to call you because people who are in positions of authority or having to hire and fire people don't, don't want to dig and look and wonder, are they going to show up? Or are they not? So just being available is huge. And then mm -hmm. humility, like be easy to work with. Uh, once you get there, do whatever's asked of you. If it's like, hey, while you're doing your air shift, while the songs are playing, can you go empty trash or sweep or organize, stack these chairs? Do it. Yeah. Um, because that'll give you more opportunities than you realize in the future. Yeah. Like you said, like, just as people here, as like of you, like, uh, you know, job after job, or whatever, it's all about those connections. The more people that know you, the more connections that you have, the easier it is to just, you know, kind of just go along with it. So, um, along those lines, like, did you pick up skills along the way or was it like, you were just kind of natural at it and, you know, that kind of got you to like to where you are. Oh, I was terrible to start. I mean, <laughs> I, I I, and I haven't gone back and listened to those. So it probably felt worse than it was. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like everybody is born with a natural floor yeah. for, for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael Jordan was six, six. Um, so that helped. Like he had a floor of being a, a fairly naturally gifted and athletic person, but everybody will tell you he became the best in the world because he worked his butt off to get there. He took what his natural abilities were and decided mm -hmm. I'm going to do something with that. And for me, I kind of look at it the same way. Yeah, my voice has been given to me uh, and it has a natural floor of, hey, it could become this. Mm -hmm. But I still have to work really hard to, to do something with it. Uh, and not only just does it have to sound right, but you have to use it right. You have to be able to read clearly. You have to be able to not stutter. You have to be able to think on the fly. You've got to use inflection and tone and volume and all those things to impact people in a way that they want or need to be impacted. And so... Uh, man, it takes so much time to figure that out. And um, I'm still learning every day. I feel like uh, there's always something new that I can learn to, to get better or to go, oh, I would have done that differently. And uh, next time I get, I get to do it differently, which is great. Yeah. So how long have you been doing it? Like when was like the, the, the date of the first like official like, like job that you got? I want to say that baseball game at Illinois was maybe this time of year, 2008. I think, wow. mm -hmm. which um, seems like forever ago. Um, and then I didn't do anything for six months after that. And, and then they asked me to come to a swimming and diving meet or something. And so it was by 2010 that I really was like, hey, I'm doing some regular events at the university. They weren't big ones, yeah. um, but I was doing a few. 
And uh, then I, it was 2014 when I first got my uh, professional job. And that's when I started with the fire. Right. So, you know, kind of going along the lines that we were just talking about, like, uh, you know, how you have to learn how to be great and, you know, kind of perfect, like how you say things and things like that. Like, was there somebody, um, you know, that you looked up to, like, in a way to like that did public address that, you know, you kind of uh, were kind of followed like like their career in a way, like for me, like broadcasting wise, like Mike Breen, all those kinds of guys like uh, sure. Kevin Harlan. Like I look up to those guys as broadcasters and like someone like for PA, like uh, Mike Wazowski, who's like the PA guy for the Knicks. Like I'm a you know Knicks fan. Things like that. Like, was there somebody that you looked up to that maybe not like mimicked, but like kind of learned from in a way? Uh, there were some guys that I remember. Uh, yeah. Jim Shepard did PA for Illinois football and basketball for like 25 years. And so when I first got to Illinois, he was the guy I heard at everything I went mm-hmm. I went to. And I, I had no idea I would end up doing that job. Uh, and so I've never tried to, I'm, our voices are very different. Our styles are very different. Right, yeah. but, but the impact he had on the event and how it felt like an Illinois event because you heard Jim's voice. That's what stuck with me there. Um, Ray Clay with the Bulls, you know, in the Jordan right. years. Yep. Uh, I, I, there are parts of my style and delivery that may resemble his a little bit, but I remembered his because it was because of the energy he brought, because it was, it became a show, right? It was TV networks picked up on it because it was, bigger than life and so there are little bits and pieces that i take from everyone um you know the um bob shepherd who did the yankees way way back in the day always used to say be clear concise and correct those are the three c's it's all you need to know now the job's changed since he was doing it back in the you know 100 years ago almost. um but those things are good too like i my job is to people need to hear me people i need to say what i need to say and get out and I need to be right when I say stuff. Um, and so I've learned something from everyone, but I still try to remain 100% true to myself because uh, otherwise it's not going to come off right anyway. Exactly. And people that I've talked to that have like helped me along the way as well, like when I first got into it is like, if you're so uniquely yourself, like that's that's what's going to get people to recognize you. Like even if you want, like you said, when you first started, like you weren't that great, but now like you're great because you're just so uniquely yourself. So I completely agree with you and completely understand from that standpoint as well. So um going along like what you said about like Ray Clay um when you first got the job with the Bulls was it did you feel like you had to fill like his shoes in a way or was it like like I just mentioned like you were just so like uniquely yourself like you just kind of got like went into that job like kind of with ease yeah uh, Tommy Edwards and Ray Clay Tommy started the whole I mean he started in 76 with the Bulls started the whole process then Ray took over then Tommy came back so those two guys had been doing the job for like 42 years before I took it. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was, there was for me a sense of weight mm. in it. Like this is a one, a big deal. People pay attention to legends in our industry have done it before me. Um, and so to me, the pressure was on, I, I didn't feel the need to fill their shoes only because what we we're just talking about like i i know i have to be me and if i'm trying to copy somebody else if i'm trying to do it their way it's going to come across as disingenuous it's going to be uh forced it's going to be fake and the crowd's going to notice that and ultimately it's not going to work and so i had to try to remember that they are the bulls are hiring me for me because they like something that i bring to the table and i had to be really confident in just doing that and hoping that people resonated with it. And, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, 
uh, it's been really, really positive. There's always going to be people. That's the thing about working in something subjective. Not everybody's going to like it, and that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But I've been really fortunate and thankful, and the Bolts fans have been great. That's awesome. And coming into those like professional jobs, like, you know, kind of going back to what we said, like when we first like started and things like that, like when you first got like these professional jobs, like have, have you ever like stuttered or like kind of messed up like uh, like live, like during an introduction or maybe like during a game or like something like that? Uh, I mean, mistakes happen for yeah. sure. Um, I really don't get nervous. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't stumble over a word here and there. My biggest mistake for sure was my second year with the Pacers, um, Boyan Bogdanovich had gone to play for the Jazz. Mm -hmm. He played with the Pacers my first year, and then he took uh, his talents to Utah. And uh, so when they came back to play the Pacers, it was a big deal because Boyan was back and people were excited to see him. And, I, you know, you got a million things going on, people talking in your ear, you're trying to do three things at once. And Sabonis was going to the line shooting free throws. And without knowing I said it, I said, Boyan Bogdanovich at the line shooting two. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what? And then I look up, and they had called a timeout between free throws. And boy, uh, Sabonis was standing right there and goes, who's calling me Bogdanovich? And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. And he was laughing about it. But it was just, you know, you, you say that many words over that many games, over that many years, it's impossible to not mess up once or twice. So it's definitely happened. Uh, it's funny. Sabonis kind of pointed out. So, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Like kind of a question to go along with that. Like, have you ever had any like relations with these uh, types of players, like along the lines, like along your career? Um. I not outside the game, no. Um, we, you know, we'll talk at the game. Right. Uh, DeRozan has a very, very, very strict routine of what he does every single game. And when he comes out for warm-ups, he, he sits right on the scorer's table in front of me. Um, and, you know, usually guys are taking pictures of him and stuff like that. And so we'll chat for 20 or 30 seconds as he's getting his shoes laced up for warm-ups. And then he, he jumps in. Uh, Malcolm Hill and Io DeSumo both played at Illinois and they play for the Bulls now. So uh, we got stuff to talk about since I called their names in college and in the pros. Um, so, yeah, you'll have little short conversations, but I, a, a friend relationship isn't, isn't really a thing. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's what I kind of like meant, but like in a way, like I kind of want to know of course, like if that would like transition off the court as well or like yeah. off the field or whatever, but I mean, who knows? It's, yeah. it's certainly possible. I've heard of it happening, but uh, most of the time it's just you're friendly at the games and they're, they're busy and I'm busy and our, our paths don't cross after that. No, exactly. Right. So kind of going like kind of going along those lines as well. Like, um, like surreal uh, to me, that'd be kind of surreal. Like first starting off, like, Oh, an NBA player is like right in front of me. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, what was like the first like surreal, or like cool moment like uh, that you were able to experience, like in your opinion? Um, my very first one was probably my very first game with the Pacers. Uh, you know, Oladipo was there at the time. Yeah. So, and he was, you know, played at Indiana and playing in Indiana. Everybody loved him. Mm -hmm. And so he came by and gave me a fist bump before the game started. And that, that was kind of fun because I'd one, never been that close to NBA players before. And then, you know, they're recognizing you as you're um, doing your thing. So that, that was super cool. Um, starstruck moments probably haven't happened much other than, you know, when you see, when LeBron's talking to you or Curry's sitting there, that, that's a, a little bit of a thing just because, um, they seem very much larger than life and they're not who I'm calling every day. Yeah. Uh, and then at the NBA all-star thing, when you had 
you know, top 75 players of all time, all in the same room. Uh, got a little starstruck there. Yeah. So yeah, kind of going along with that with the all-star game, like how did that opportunity come your way? And uh, what was your reaction when you found out that you were going to be doing it? Um, so I don't exactly know the rules uh, for what they, how they choose. Um, I do know that typically whoever works in the market where the all-star game is coming, they get to do part of the festivities. It's not always the same thing. Uh, in 2020, when the all-star game came to Chicago, the NBA asked me to come from Indy to go do the game and, and all of Saturday night, actually I did both. And then in Cleveland, I got the call again to, to go do the game and the whole 75th anniversary celebration. So, um, man, it's, to me, that is about, in the NBA, about as big an honor as you can have. I, I want to do a finals game, of course, but, you know, PA guys do finals when their teams are good. Mm -hmm. The PA guy could suck, um, but he gets to do the finals because he works for the team who, who made it there. Yeah. Uh, the all-star game, the NBA chooses. And so I, I take a lot of pride in, in the fact that they have chosen me two out of the last three years. And, and the third of those three was the weird games in Atlanta during COVID that they couldn't use anybody else other than Atlanta people anyway. So uh, I, I've, I, that's really cool. Um, I, I've had opportunities to go overseas. I'll, I'll likely have others to do that with the NBA and, and work some events for them. So um, I, I don't know always why they choose me, but I never question that. I'm just happy to uh, take them up on it. So you've never, you never called the finals game. You did the, you did the NBA bubble, but you didn't, you didn't call the finals. Correct. I was there for about six weeks because of my schedule with the bears, yeah, right, I, I right, couldn't right. stay the whole time. So I stayed for about five or six weeks. And then I drove across the state and did the WNBA bubble for about four or five weeks. And then I got back the day before the bears home opener. Um, so that was, that was my summer of 2020. Yeah. So like, we, like you just mentioned about with the COVID pause, like how there was no fans, the bubble as well, is probably even worse. Cause it was in like, it looked like just like a gym, like just like an open run gym, like things like that. Um, but in an, an empty NBA arena and like, uh, you know, just in general, like what was that time like for you and how did you still bring that like hype and that, you know, that, that uniqueness that you have to, uh, you know, public address? Yeah, it's hard uh, yeah. for sure. You start to get a little bit used to it. And the good thing about the NBA was they allowed us to pipe in crowd noise and it could rise and fall based on how the game was going. So if you're the home team and you're scoring, they can bring up applause and cheer. They got pretty good at it, uh, that it wasn't completely authentic, but it was pretty darn close. Mm -hmm. And so that helped. And, you know, the lights can be off around the outside. So you're really only paying attention to what's on the court. Uh, football was the weird one, though, because you're playing games at noon um, or one o'clock east. And it's so it's light outside. They can't turn the lights off to make it all dark. And they couldn't play crowd noise. They could only play a very low, dull roar in the stadium, and then TV would have to do their own, own crowd noise. So that was the weird one because you can clearly see 60,000 empty seats. Uh, it's broad daylight, and there's no crowd noise being added. And so it's literally just my voice, uh, and that was a little strange. But mm -hmm. you get used to it. You, you, got, you know we're trying to keep this as close to normal as possible for the players. We're also trying to put on a good product for television because they take some of that audio here and there and you can hear it in the background. And so you just got to keep that in mind. But man, am I thankful that, that people are back in the seat. Yeah, it's awesome to hear. And a you know, plentiful amount of just opportunities and experiences that you've been able to be a part of, which is so cool and surreal because like, that's exactly 
what I want to do, anything that could get in the public address, broadcast, anything in sports media communications, that's what I'm striving for. And, you know, that's kind of like the, like the fallback on how, why I started my, one, my podcast two like all the broadcasts I've done at my school. So, um, you know, it's really cool to hear and like kind of, you know, what you've done and how you've done it. So like kind of like along that, like over the years, like once you first started, like you said, how you weren't like as great as you thought you were now, like how you are now, like how have you grown each and every year and what has like been kind of like the focal point in the mindset uh, year in and year out? We've talked a little bit about it, um, but I think authenticity is a big key that most people don't think about. Most people think of public address in a couple of ways, either this voice of God in the sky who nobody sees or hears, it might as well be a robot. It's like Siri, right? Somebody's typing something in and this voice is reading it back with no emotion, very little inflection. Uh, you're always turned up to 11, right? Just always loud. And, and man, I, I just feel like that's the wrong way to go um, because we are all human. And if you try to convince a crowd that they're supposed to get loud, they're supposed to be excited when you're down 25 in the fourth quarter, it's just, it's disingenuous. And so not, not that I can ever be sad or disappointed, yeah. you know, out loud, but my, my voice and cadence and volume and energy is different depending on what happens during the game. So if we hit a three-pointer, the first shot of the game, yeah, everybody's pretty excited. That's a great way to start. If we hit it with two seconds left to win the game, that's a whole different level. And if we hit it while we're down 20, then, yeah, I'm still excited, but it's nowhere near the level of the other two. And so figuring out how to read the room read the situation, go right here. I need to say this in this way or not say anything, or, you know, there's all sorts of different situations, but, but that's really more so than your voice, more so than your ability to read more so than any of that. Being able to read the room, read the situation and say the right thing at the right time in the right way. Yeah, most definitely. And I've not that I've experienced, I, you know, I have nothing like compared to you as well, but like something at my school that I've done was the girls team, they made it to the, um, the NCAA championship and it was the, our school hosted it. So like I was the PA guy for that. So, nice. you know, and it was, it was neck and neck the whole game. So like, I got to get, you know, kind of excited for the away team as well. Cause that's what the school told me, you know, don't like, you know, but like bring it like your intensity and your like uniqueness to it. Like we mentioned, like the whole time we've been talking, like, and that is what uh, I feel like that's the best part. That adrenaline rush when you're the man, the voice of the arena, like that's just, I love that like adrenaline rush. It's like, do you have like the same kind of, you know, in close games like that, it's, do you feel like kind of like the same way? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think I'd say this. I've always said it's our job as PA guys to reflect what the crowd is mm -hmm. or should be feeling. So sometimes we're just, we're a mirror for them. Yeah. Like they're excited. Like we're just, we're, we're going with them. Sometimes you've got to lead them a little bit, not, not in a fake way, <clears throat> excuse me, not, not in a fake way, but like, okay, let's, let's slowly start working our way here because things are starting to get interesting. And so I'm going to try to help you move that way. Um, but you got to layer that with, um, it's, it's never about me, right? It's like they, nobody came to hear me talk. They came to see the game, whatever game it is. And so I need to be a part of that entertainment experience. I need to be sort of in line with the sound of the music and the smell of the popcorn and, you know, the, the band who might be playing or whatever. I'm, I am part of that overall uh, sensory experience. Um, and if I fit in that appropriately, 
no one may talk about me, but everyone will appreciate me, um, exactly. whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and if one of those things sticks out too far of that experience, then it starts to ruin the whole thing, right? So like if someone burns the popcorn, that's the only thing you're like, oh my gosh, that smells awful that they set fire. Now you're distracted because your, your nose has, has taken all your senses somewhere else. Same thing with the band. If the trumpet player is way out of tune or not hitting any of the right notes, everybody's distracted by the sound of something that's not quite right and doesn't fit. And from PA, uh, a PA perspective, I think it's the same thing. If I'm too loud, too over the top, not giving them correct information, not doing it in a timely way, I'm not understandable, all those things, now they're going to be distracted by me. And the goal for me has always been to kind of fit in that overall experience. And uh, I think if we can do that, we're in good shape. Yeah, most definitely. Like, um, that's kind of like how I, like, you know, kind of think of things like that. Like if you kind of like have to go along with what the crowd is like feeling, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, like you said earlier, like you don't want to be hyping up a crowd and screaming when they're down 25 in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah. but um, yeah, that kind of ra like wraps up like kind of like the sports aspect of it. Um, but I did want to, you know, kind of wrap up that with uh, the, um, NBA 2K, how you got that job opportunity and uh, your reaction. I, I saw a little bit online that uh, when you were talking with uh, one of the hosts for like a Bulls podcast or like a Bulls show or something like that, like your kids were really excited to see that you were one of the voices for the Bulls. So, uh, you know, talk a little bit about that and how that experience, uh, you know, kind of came your way. Yeah, it's a super fun experience. And, you know, a, a lot of the NBA guys all got to go do their team. So we're, we're all spending yeah, time cool. uh, in California. Uh, in fact, I'm going back in a couple of weeks to do all the new stuff for, for 2K23. So wow. I'll get uh, five days in Los Angeles, which is never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, you know, it's fun for me because I don't play the game much. Uh, yeah. I just hear it in the background when my boys play. That wasn't as exciting. But um, I, I will say that I wanted to be a part of how it all went together. I wanted to know how it worked, like how to... It always amazed me from the PA guys to the play-by-play, -play, right. how they put all that together in real time for a game that's being simulated. That they don't know what's happening, yeah. right? Yeah, they right. just don't know what. So, so to be a part of that, see how they record it, how they go about that, um, that was the best part for me. And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed sort of pull the curtain back a little bit and look to, to see how they put it together. I don't know if you can mention it, but how do they do that? Like, how did you, like, how do you mention, like, all these guys' names and, like, you know, things like that? Like, how does that all work in, like, uh, in, like, in, in line, I guess? I can give some basics. Um, yeah. They, essentially, we record a lot of things repetitively. And they have a computer program designed to record and clip over and over and over and over names, numbers, situations, et cetera. So we would do, for example, and, and you've got to do them with different, volume levels right so yeah. i'll use zach levine as an example but if if you're playing as the bulls and zach levine's at home then we introduce him for the starting lineups it needs to be zach levine it's got to be big but if he's going to the free throw line that would sound ridiculous yeah so we also have to record one of zach levine yeah or if he, or if he's the visitor same thing you've got to record and then if he hits a big dunk it's going to be excited, but it's not going to be the same as starting lineup. So you go through a bunch of NBA players' names. You'd be like, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, yeah. Lowry Markkinen, over and over and over and over and over. Uh, same thing with numbers. Number one, number two, number three. We had to do scores. We had to do teams. We had to do arenas. We had to do 
So it takes days to get all of our parts recorded, but uh, it's worth it. It is fun. And um, it's just a, a lot of work for, well, I say a lot of work for me. It's a lot more work for the people who are programming it all. So uh, kudos to them for doing it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And like, like you said, like all the PA announcers, it's probably like one or two for each team. Like I, like I saw, um, you know, just so much work gets put into these games that, you know, we don't even realize, you know, so that's like, I saw, I mentioned, I saw it firsthand on like your TikTok page. That's how I kind of got in contact with you. And I was like, maybe he would be interested in doing the podcast. So um, sure, man, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, to kind of wrap um, everything up. Uh, like I said, going outside of like the sports aspect of it um you've done a lot of like commercial ads and things like that like how do those like do people just contact you for those or like do you like kind of like uh reach out to these companies every once in a while you'll audition um i for the most part have let it come to me um Mm -hmm. i I may change that in the future but right now it's a lot of hey you're the guy who does the bulls or you're the guy who does the bears or i heard your voice here can we have you do x y or z Uh, i just did something for chicago hospital where they knew who I was from the teams and wanted my voice for their thing. So that's how a lot of it happens. Um, and uh, so I, it, it obviously it's a little extra and every little bit helps when you can uh, make a little bit extra here and there. And so it's a lot of fun to do. I never, uh, I, I don't turn too much down um, right. and I'll, I'll take any opportunity that comes my way. Right. Like you mentioned in the beginning, like do anything that you can to one and, and get better at what you do and two make money at the end of the day. That's what, you know, everyone's trying to do and get well, better to do and, whatever. Exactly. Uh, it's, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but it's to do whatever you can now. So you can do whatever you want later. Um, that, that I think is a pretty good rule of thumb in this industry. Uh, you can, you can be choosy the farther down the line you get. I've thankfully gotten to do a little bit of that, but uh, there's always room to do more, to, to try things. You never know where to lead. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I think about that stuff, man. Anything, any opportunity I can get into, it's just, I'm going to take it because you never know where it can bring you. So um, again, that kind of caps off everything. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Tim, and just to kind of cap everything off. Like what's, uh, what's in store for the future? I know you've got a lot of things coming your way. Like you said, NBA 2K23, you're going to do the voice for that as well. Um, but what's in store for like uh, the upcoming months? Well, uh, I just literally, the day we're recording this, um, announced that I've got a podcast coming out. Um, wow. I've been working on this for a long time. It's it's not a an interview style podcast, although interviews were required to do it. It's more of a documentary style. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Call. And we're basically going into sports most famous calls and talking with the men and women behind the mic for those calls about what it was like, what they were thinking, the inside stories of stuff we didn't know, and then putting all that together into uh, about a 20 minute podcast. And so that comes out on Tuesday, uh, but, and the first one is, it's called And Now, um, which you probably can imagine what that is. It's uh, Tommy Edwards, Ray Clay, and I all talking about how the Bulls intro started, what it was like back in the 70s, all the way to when it became hugely popular during the Jordan years and to what it's like now. And I think uh, you and your audience will find it fascinating. I will mention that it's exclusively going to be on an app called Stump, S-T-U-M-P. Uh, this is a new social media app exclusively for audio. It's mm-hmm. free to download, free to use, uh, but download Stump, find me, and the podcast will be right there. Yeah, well, I'll definitely support it anywhere I can, man. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I guess to kind of end the, everything off, uh, what, do you, what do you think of my show? What do you think of the podcast? What do you think of the rundown? I just want to get a little bit of feedback from uh, one of the man, first professionals I've had on. 
I will say you are certainly for your age, very comfortable behind a microphone and that's great. Seems like I don't know you beyond this, but seems like you are authentic and willing to be yourself and uh, are, are doing fantastic. I mean, I had, I had no clue what I was doing at your age whatsoever. So um, man, keep it up, keep working, um, do, do this. The more you do this, the more you interview, the more you call games, whether they be high school or whatever, um, the better off you're going to be. So uh, you're off to a great start. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you so much. Tuesday, I'll tune into yours. Do you know what time it's going to be out? Like, like um, I will probably release it about uh, 10 a.m. Okay. my time, which would be about 11 your time. Um, if you have the chance between now and then, just check out the Stump app. You can hear the um, – there's like a minute and a half long trailer for it there. And uh, you can just listen to it and see what you think and give me your feedback. And then uh, the full episode will be out on Tuesday. Yeah, awesome. I'll tune into that right now. I'll, you know, download it, see what I Sweet. can do. And yeah, so again, appreciate I appreciate it, the time, Tim. I'll uh, definitely be in touch. Thank you. All right. Good, uh, good talking to you, Cam. Thanks for everything. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you, man.